story, etc. But try not to get too absorbed in what's happening and just work on yourself because at the end of the day, you're, you're going to be the one stepping out into whatever new world we have. This is a podcast about stories and the people who tell them. It isn't political, except that the making of stories has always been political because stories engage with who we are and what we find important. And what isn't political about that? The world has changed a lot in the last couple of months. In some ways, it feels like we've learnt to reevaluate what's important, the people who've kept us going through this crisis. In other, really scary ways, it feels like we aren't learning very much at all. Hope is a necessary thing. Clapping for the NHS on Thursday nights, discounts for key workers, communities coming together, making masks, all of those things are beautiful and important but they aren't enough by themselves. In this episode, I talked to playwright Laura Shoebottom and playwright and actor Daryl Draper. We talked about locking down together, creating in a shared and confined space, and about the changes that seem to have come about in the arts so far, as well as those that need to happen. Um, so I'm Laura Shoebottom. I am a playwright and my focus tends to be more, at least I hope, on comedy. Com- uh, comedy and sci-fi are my uh, uh, main main areas of interest there. Uh, my name is uh, Daryl Draper. I am a writer and an actor. Um, I write both for the screen and stage. Uh, I've had more stuff produced in theatre than I have the screen. I'm obviously still working towards that because it's a much harder door to, to pry open <laughs> is the TV industry. Um, and I'd like to think that I, my work is kind of a mix of comedy and drama. And I'm very much looking to really, I suppose, champion working class voices and actually create and present authentic three-dimensional characters that reflect that environment because uh, yeah, that's the environment I'm from, basically. So I want to tell those stories. I suppose the next question that I need to ask is like, yeah, how are you both doing generally in this? What were we now? Just entering the fourth week of lockdown, I think, yeah. right? Um, how is it? How is it going? How's it been? And what? Um, what are your? I guess like what as like what are your lives like at the moment? Like I both in terms of how you're creating, if you're creating at the moment. I mean, I think lots of people are not. Um, <laughs> And, and uh, yeah, I just what things are like for you guys at the moment. Um, it's definitely very different. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we can we can say without hesitation, definitely very different. Um, I think it's it's wonderful how supportive everybody is being uh, towards each other. I love how many opportunities have just come about. Um, just looking on uh, Twitter, Facebook, any kind of social media, the amount of of opportunities that are around mm. at the moment and the amount everybody's pulling together, uh, not just in the creative industry, but in every industry. And there um, seems to be more paid opportunities now, you are saying earlier. Yeah, there yeah. seems to be more paid opportunities now uh, for writers than there were before, there were before the lockdown, yeah. which, is, which is strange. It's also nice at the same time. Yeah, definitely. But as they say, you know, one door closes, you know, literally and metaphorically another one opens. And yeah, as Laura was saying, there's been a, a rise, uh, almost uh, insurge in sort of creative opportunities for writers anyway. Um, and yeah, actors as well, but obviously for, you know, remoting. 
Um, but yeah, no, we're still keeping busy. Uh, we've both had some stuff put on BBC Radio, uh, BBC Radio Essex and Surrey. Um, and also, yeah, having some, having some more audio drama put on um, by Ragged Foils Productions. That, that's in the works. Um, yeah, Laura's got you got one on tonight, haven't you, for BBC? I have, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a, a comedy monologue. Um, again, I hope. Don't <laughs> <laughs> um, say you hope. It is. <laughs> and it's it's set in a um, in a universe where weekly shops during lockdown are live streamed into people's homes, and in complete contrast to what's physically going on, as in people queuing up and having to wait uh, longer than they normally would this commentator is more like a racing commentator and they're going at a mile a minute um, as if everything unfolding before them is also going at a mile a minute the stuff the thing you said about how there's been this kind of like like an explosion of like opportunities in quite a different way um as in lots of them being put online lots of people reaching out and kind of um i guess like seeking to expand their networks in like a yeah, it sounds very business chatty that but like um i mean i guess in one sense it's quite obvious why that might be the case but it's also not necessarily i think what what one might have expected with the everything shrinking so much and like the world getting really really small like why do you think why do you think it's happened that way with um with these opportunities kind of growing i said well I, I think it's because um I think is, the reason why I think there's more opportunities now than the, there was before uh, is because I think I think a lot of people rely on creativity. You know, not just creatives. I mean, you know, as audience members, listeners, for example, you know, taking you know podcasts into example and audio dramas and things like that. Uh, the content needs to be there um, to be look. You need to, the content needs to be there, so then yeah. we have to create. And obviously, I think now there's probably more stuff online because. Now, for example, you know, mainstream, a lot of mainstream theatres are closed now. Um, a lot of, you know, you know, radio is still continuing, but mm. still they're on the lookout for new content to create. So I suppose there's more opportunities for people now because every, we've got no other option but to create, well, create from home or go online and create, you know, because as I said, other doors are shutting. So now online doors are opening. I, th- I think as well, it, it definitely shows people's love for the arts yeah um yeah i mean the, the, the fact that they want to keep it alive despite yeah. the fact that you know physically you know there aren't any fears open at the moment a lot of tv channels a lot of tv stations aren't producing original content so i think that's why i think there's an increase to encourage people to still keep creative you know hopefully maintain you know positivity through creation and feedback into, I suppose, the online community as a way to enrich people's lives. That's the way I have to see it. Um, and maybe I, the one thing that does confuse me is though why there is, for example, as I said before, now more paid opportunities for writers than there were before. Because like you said, you know, if things are shrinking, then I don't understand really where that money's coming from. You know, before, you know, maybe it's just through donations or people, you know, fundraisers. But I'm a bit, I'm a bit confused by that one, if I'm honest with you. Like why now there's more paid opportunities than there was before when it seems to me that before obviously there was a lot more avenues, you know. Yeah. It it could be that those funds have maybe been allocated to um 
live performances and now that they're not happening mm. they're being yeah, diverted be, yeah, back to true. create online yeah, content and opportunities yeah i guess there's also something in i suppose once you're removed physically from like maybe your first second wave of like who people would naturally go to like you know casting agents yeah. they would naturally go through or like um writers they might particularly rely on like once you're <clears throat> removed from like physically from people who you maybe have worked with lots before and you're having to do everything remotely I don't know maybe it just like slightly shifts something in people's heads as to like it just kind of um like the the bubble gets slightly burst I don't know and so and maybe it's just like these opportunities that perhaps so as well as new ones coming up there are ones that maybe wouldn't have been offered out so widely yeah but yeah. now that everything's gone online maybe they are I don't know it's weird that could be a fact I mean I think that's probably like an element of it yeah um, hmm. it's yeah because obviously like you said casting directors uh, or some production companies may only work with certain people and they're unable to work with those people or those casting directors because of the the issues that we're facing so it's like they have to then I suppose reach further to find that talent which is obviously great for us you know oh yeah and, definitely um, and it's also great as well in the sense that a lot of theatres now, mainstream theatres, uh, like the Hampstead Theatre, I know the National doing it in Royal Court, uh, are now putting productions online for people to watch for free, which is lovely for people who couldn't afford to go to the theatre. You know, that's so there is a lot of positives in the negatives, There's you know, a, huge a lot of positives. Amount of positives. Yeah. And I, I really do hope that they continue to do that because mm. I think that's a great initiative. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think while so much, obviously, of what's going on is kind of. I mean, is incredibly like drawn along financial class um, race lines and all that, like in terms of, um, you know, communities that are being really impacted by things like food shortages and stuff like that. There is something about, like, as you said, like one of the positives is how much things have kind of equalised in terms of like access to certain things. Like I'm not sure we'll ever be able to go back to people who say have chronic illnesses or can't get out of the house easily being left out of stuff as much as they have been because everyone now knows how to have a Zoom meeting and catch up with their friends on this and have like, I don't know, like, yeah, we're seeing that theatres can put stuff out for free. And even though that might not be like, and that this kind of financial barrier to so many people doesn't have to be there and what happens and hopefully the good stuff that happens as a result of that will be- become like um a reason for it to to stay i don't know hope so yeah hopefully yeah. i mean if obviously i think everyone's showing their support you know uh for these things and as i said i think it's brilliant that these fears are now taking this initiative and it's a perfect time to do it now mm. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully when fitters do reopen, they don't then go, well, that's it, you know. Yeah, no, I, nice do, I do hope they to, keep it. Yeah, obviously I understand yeah. they, they're not going to air or live stream any current productions because then they'd lose revenue. But once production is maybe, you know, like, like they do, for example, films and TV after a certain point, they put on TV yeah. or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So hopefully they will stream plays, you know, after a certain amount of months of being released. That would be like yeah. a nice thing to yeah. do because they're still going to capture a large audience who are going to pay to see it because obviously you know it's it's not quite the same as actually being there you know experiencing theatre live but it's still a good way to experience something that you wouldn't normally do it's like most of my friends 
you know, back home in Essex, they, you know, they haven't really seen much of what I've done on stage. They've got no interest in that, to be fair. You know, the fit is totally not their scene. That's why I'm trying to create plays and things that will hopefully draw them to the theatre. But it's, it's, it's out of their comfort zone. But I think if, for example, more plays were made available to them, which they could watch in the comfort of their own home, you know, in an environment that they are, you know, comfortable in, then they may be exposed to theatre more. So hopefully yeah. we'll find a middle ground, let's just say, a balance um, when things return to some form of normality. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite exciting, I think, that bit of it, hopefully. In terms of your own writing, and so you said you've had like like a good sort of amount of projects and stuff that's come of this. So I guess what sorts of things have you been thinking about as a writer? Like, is there anything you're noticing in terms of like the kind of ideas you're interested in pursuing? I don't know. Like, is there anything that you're noticing in terms of how your work is responding i know it's really early days but we've not been in that long you took like change your process but is there anything you've noticed speaking personally i've tried to keep away from actively responding to what's going on um, good call <laughs> uh, i i think i've written a grand total of two pieces uh one's been more dramatic and one is this more comedic one uh but i'm trying to steer clear as much as possible unless that's the brief i've given um because mm. i think right now and I, I, i'm biased because i love comedy um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to make comedy yeah. uh, tr- trying to make yeah. more comedic light-hearted pieces um i think that's that's the way my writing tends to go anyway but i find myself focusing on that a lot at the moment i've i've written something quite recently and it's about it was in response to the mercury monologues and the theme was magic and i thought well i'm not going to interpret it literally um although that would be fun i'm going to give that a try later uh but i tried uh speaking metaphorically the magic of human kindness because i've noticed there's a, a heck of a lot of that about at the moment and just more please <laughs> just more of that um, more please now please yes <laughs> uh, so that that was kind of a fun thing to do as well and explore something metaphorically rather than literally i think i think it is it's it's, it's difficult to write during this period i think and stay kind of inspired because a lot of things that are online at the moment some of them i say 60 percent of them maybe 70 um are focused on the current situation in terms of the call outs or the stimulus provided will be lockdown or isolation. And I think there are too many writing opportunities at the moment focusing on, you know, the here and now. And like Laura said, you know, I don't think people really want to be keep no, they don't. You know, no, no, they don't. They don't want to keep being reminded of what's happening to you know. You know, we see on the news every single day. We get like a roundup every night. Um so I think people want a, a form of escapism, want, you know, something to laugh at, you know, want comedy, which is ideal, you know. Um for your style of writing, Laura, um, they want, yeah, they want to be a bit escapism. They want to be drawn away from that reality. And I think actually for writers, um, and this is not a knock to writers who may be doing this at the moment, but I think writers are, are focusing too much on the here and now and writing about the coronavirus and writing about this. I don't, I'm not sure if those plays are going to be relevant when the fits open again, because as I know me as a, a paid audience member, I don't want to then go and sit through something that I've experienced for the last few months. You know, I want something fresh. I want something new, something to actually take, you know, something that's going to integrate me into society again, you know? Um, so I, I, do you know what? I think 
there was a huge pressure on, with that said, there is a huge pressure on creatives to stay creative at the moment. And, you know, so this is the perfect time to write. You should be able to write your, your masterpiece in isolation. And I think that's a, that's a bad thing to sort of be promoting. It's like, no, creativity comes when it comes. You know, you can't force something like that. So it's hard to say really um, what will come out of this creatively. But I just, I would say to anyone, look, just write what you want to write in this time. Don't feel pressured by anything that's happening around you. Write what you feel is something that is important and vital and needs to be heard. You know, and regardless whether it is going to be relevant or not, at the end of the day, a good story is still a good story. And, you know, a good play and good characters always stand the test of time. You know, whereas this won't. The coronavirus, you know, is we're living we're living through history essentially, but in a few years' time, will this be relevant? You know what I mean? I think humans are the most relevant thing to write about, and you should write about you know what you know. That's pressure. I think you're you're absolutely right. That kind of pressure, like part of the loveliness that's on like Twitter and and stuff like all these kind of creative people going, oh, I want to do this, reaching out to people, going, do you want to be in this? zoom play reading do you want to be in do you want to write this with me or that kind of thing is wonderful but that pressure Mm. as well of like you know when the shakespeare was in the plague he wrote this thing and and all this kind of thing um i think you're right it is very hard um especially if you're if when you're feeling anxious or bored or any of that stuff you're not the kind of person who channels that into into writing like it there is a lot of pressure i think you're absolutely right is that i mean do you have you found that you've been quite able because especially because um there's two of you who are both writers have you managed do you think to keep your head above that or do you think that's something that um has impacted you at all um i i think and again speaking personally it's come in peaks and troughs there's there's been times when i've been incredibly motivated um and I've had idea after idea after idea. Uh, and then I've had other days, other weeks, uh, where the last thing I've wanted to do is write. Um, and I, d- I don't think there's any shame in that at no. all. I think that's any given day, really, as a writer. You know, some days you wake up and you feel inspired by something. You won't even know what it is. You just have this urge to write. You'll write. And sometimes when I was in my, you know, peak, like, I could write like for hours on end and I've got sort of tunnel vision. Once I fall into the writing rabbit hole, as I say, I find it hard to pull myself away from it. But then other days I just won't have any motivation to write anything. Uh, And I think the issue I have at the moment is some days I do feel stifled because I feel like you do need a breakaway. I think in order to to write and to, to gather inspiration, I do feel like being outside and being away from home is a part of that in the sense that you need to get away from certain things. And sometimes you can't, you can't do that at the moment, you know, because uh, you could, I could be in any sort of social situation. Suddenly something would hit me out of nowhere. So I haven't got that, I suppose, exterior stimulus coming in. I've only got what's here, like sort of like news online. And sometimes I can feel a bit stifled if I spend too much time at my laptop or if I'm spending too much time on social media. And that's becoming more sort of, an, you know, a day-to-day part of my life. So it's hard to break away from that. So, yeah, it's similar to what Laura just said. Yeah, peaks and troughs, really. Some days I feel like I, I can write. Other days I just feel stifled, really, at the moment. Or, you know, as I said, there's that nagging voice in my head, which comes from that social pressure of you should be writing now, you should be doing something. And I try to ignore that because that's, that's counterproductive at the end of the day. Is that something you guys... Um 
talk about a lot like do you talk about your writing a lot with each other or yeah definitely. yeah, yeah. We, we, we share a lot of our work with mm, each other as well yeah um we've mm. we've been in each other's work um i mean we're in a, to be fair we are in the fortunate position and we're luckier than most people actually at the moment because we do have each other and not only that we're both creative so we both can support each other and if you need to act something out or we need someone to help us with a self-tape or a piece of audio drama we're lucky enough that you know we have each other so it must be harder for other people who are creatives who maybe live on their own or don't have that kind of crux so it must be more difficult for them so we're in a way we're more fortunate than um than other people maybe in this situation and then mm. on the flip side of that as well you know if if we are at a point where we just want a little bit of a break from being creative we both understand mm. that you know that that's just the deal sometimes yeah yeah i was yeah i was gonna say it sounds like um you know that thing they say that you know if you're being hard on yourself like think about how you would speak to someone you love in the same situation and the fact that you are both creatives in the same situation that you actually can do that for each other i guess because if one of you is having a bit of a panic being like oh no i haven't finished my magnum opus yet and the other one can go calm down it's fine have a cup of tea watch this (laughs) to be fair we keep yeah that's that's sort of being our routine actually we have days don't we we like we go for role reverse so i'm having a day like that and you tell me to get a grip and then Vice versa, you know, we're not getting rid of it. But you know, <laughs> kind of lovingly getting Yeah, it. <laughs> kind of, look, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we've sort of had days like that. I think a lot of it at the moment is also, I'm trying to avoid creating out of desperation, you know, and creating just to keep creating. And I found myself creating out of desperation a few times, and then you look back and you think, well, this is, I'm just doing it for the sake of it. I mean, for a prime example was recently, well, just last night today, you know, uh, share your Shakespeare. A training hashtag uh, for actors to share Shakespeare so I was like I haven't done Shakespeare in a while I want to try and get back into it you know I've always wanted to play Iago in Shakespeare it's my dream role so I had a crack at that but then I I was thinking I mean I thought, as I said I've always wanted to play Iago but and this might get me a lot of hate but I've never been a huge fan of Shakespeare so I was like well and then I'm starting to think well under, you know would I be doing this if you know it wasn't if I wasn't feeling as if I had to remain creative. Do you know what I mean? Like, would yeah. I be doing this on a normal day <laughs> if I wasn't in lockdown? But, I mean, I'm pleased I did it because it enabled me to flex my, you know, Shakespearean muscles once more. But I don't think I was 100% happy with the product because it, it felt like it was out of desperation, frustration, rather than coming at it, coming it from a more organic point of view and I ended up deleting it I deleted it today because I was like actually I don't think this is my best work I think I'm just doing mm. this because I feel like I need to be doing something to stay active so yeah it's, it's yeah peaks and troughs really yeah. and what are you guys um, so in terms of like what you what you're consuming art what art wise like um, like what are you what are you watching what are you listening to what's your reading what are you finding about also the things you're choosing and are you noticing anything different to normal well, we, we have a play library um, within it. I say library with an entire shelf. Just shelf, yeah. a single shelf um, <laughs> on our bookcase, um, just full of of plays. Um, uh, we went to the uh, uh, we went to the Bush Open event when they were doing plays for a pound, oh, and we got about okay. we got about ten, no, twelve actually. Well, quite a few, um, yeah. So we're still getting through those, and uh, very, very. Any favourites so far? Ooh, um, 
I liked Bottle Universe. Yeah. I thought that was a great play. Um, Who's that by? I will go and check. Library right next to you, <laughs> or a single shelf. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the best play that I've read recently. I read a really good play recently. What was a really good play I read? Do you know whenever someone says to you, like for example, what's your favourite film or what's your favourite play? I know. You know, but instantly for some reason, <laughs> it's a bit of a dick question. Like, you, know, you go blank. So it's like you go blank straight away, even though you could have a full list in your head. Um, yeah. Tell so me. Simon Burt. Cool. Absolutely. I've not heard of it. I'll check it out. It's uh, yeah, it's really good. It's set in the north as well, and I'm a Leeds gal, so um <laughs> uh, so you've got your play shelf. What else? What else are you are you watching anything particular? So, so we're watching Ozark on Netflix. I've, Which I've is seen fabulous. All, I've seen all three seasons, but I've sort of introduced Laura to it, so I watched it from the beginning again. Um That's good. We've been watching a lot of kind of old school children's television. Like Chuckle Vision. Oh, nice. um, love the Chuckle Brothers. Sooty. Haven't we? Yeah. Watching a bit of Sooty. Just, you know, just to recapture that child. Basil like, Brush. Yeah, Basil Brush. Very good. Um, <laughs> we played, you know, we've been playing um, the computer quite a bit as well, like PlayStation 4, uh, Crash Bandicoot, um, Lego Harry Potter. We've just got a new Lego game. So, yeah, just trying to keep like occupied, really. Um, I will say mm-hmm. mentally stimulated, but it's not so. But you know what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah, again, some form of escapism, essential. At, at, mm-hmm. You know, and I think the games really offer the full, you know, escapism because it takes yeah. you to a completely different world. You control another character that isn't yourself, not doing mundane yeah. tasks. It's active, yeah, isn't exactly. It? Yeah. So we've been playing mm-hmm. a lot of the, the computer, really. Um, what else have you been watching? Uh, oh. Um... I, I do love my classics. I've been watching Faulty Towers, uh, Open All Hours, things like that. Dinner Ladies. Yes, I'm just about to restart oh. that. Because it's just come on Netflix. Kudos to Netflix for putting all of those back on. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm getting through Vicar of Dibley at the moment. Oh. Then I'm going to Dinner Ladies. Because so I rewatched Dinner Ladies last year, so it's been quite soon. But my partner's never seen it. Oh, yes. Classic. Excited. Classic comedy. <laughs> Um, my, my friend Lily is also doing um, dance classes as well. Oh, cool. Uh, she's a trained fitness instructor, so she does West End workouts, 80s and 90s, aerobics. It's fabulous. Are they on YouTube? Uh, they're on her Instagram. She's on at Lily May McGregor and at Dance Fitness with Lily. And they're great. They're just mm-hmm. half, half an hour bursts during the week and on Saturdays as well. And it's it's really nice. And that that is kind of like an escapism for me as well because uh, I, I do mm. love my dancing oh, that sounds great especially the West End one Could learn, I can learn a dance it's, it's, a, it's hard work but yeah. it's good <laughs> <laughs> um, that's pretty much the end of my questions I suppose the last thing is is there anything like I don't know do you have any big old thoughts I haven't managed to tap into or like um, it's another bit of an annoying question but like, yeah is there anything you think or want to say at the end um just i think this is a a great opportunity to and as corny as it sounds just to take some time for you as corny as that sounds yeah now is the best opportunity ever just completely escape from society social norms take some time to work on yourself if you can turn off the news yeah you know obviously pay attention to what's happening stay informed stay safe but try not to get too absorbed in what's happening and just work on yourself because at the end of the day you're, you're going to be the one stepping out into whatever new world we have and you've got to make sure that you're 
you know, mentally, physically strong to do that. And that could mean whatever it means to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever that means to you. But yeah, just try not to get wrapped up in any pressures at the moment or anything like that. Just focus on what's important to you and what's essential to you that will get you through this, you know, whatever that may be, basically. Yeah. It's pretty wise. It's good. <laughs> Laura, how about you? Is that Yeah, just following on really, just look look after look after you. Um and other people, of course. Yeah, <laughs> Don't be people. selfish, but Don't yeah. Be selfish. No, no, no. <laughs> look after your yeah. friends and family and loved ones, stay kind and all that stuff. But yeah. Um yeah, it's such an uncertain time at the moment. You know, we don't know what's happening. Just live day to day. You know, that's what we can do at the moment, one day at a time until we're out of this. And I just hope that obviously, because we have seen um, it has brought us somewhat together more as a country, and we are more united. You know, in some ways, um, and I hope that sense of alliance, you know, carries forward. You know, and I really hope that we continue. You know, as I said, the positive aspects that we've that have emerged. I hope we continue them and leave behind the negative. Hopefully, you know, and and I think actually, as as a society, as people, we have clearly taken a lot for granted. I mean, I was just saying to Laura when you know shopping, for example. Yeah. I think the day when we're fi- we're allowed to just walk into a shop like we did before without having to queue. Imagine how amazing that's going to feel. And that's a tiny part of life which we took for granted, which we never ever. I mean, I never ever thought that I'd have to queue for half an hour to shop and there'd be restrictions and things like that or I'd have to worry about toilet paper never did I imagine mm-hmm. that happening so if you think about that you know think you know I suppose it teaches us that we need to I suppose wise up you know to things that could possibly happen and you know take a you know don't take so much for granted you know and actually be thankful for what we do have because now I think we've realized how quickly that can change you know so now I think it's, it's hopefully it'll teach people that we need to as I said before you know come together stay united otherwise you know worse things could possibly happen so we need to ensure that we're in the best position to to tackle them and that's not going to happen you know if we're divided as a country and if we're at each other's throats you know obviously that's never going that's not going to change overnight but I'm saying hopefully this will be the first stepping stone to hopefully achieving, I don't know, a better way of living or, you know, a way of living where we don't take so much for granted and people, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about, you know, hopefully the level of respect for people who do work in in the NHS and people work in supermarkets, hopefully they'll finally get the respect they deserve, you know, because... Even before coronavirus, I don't think I'd, you know, I, well, I've tried it, you know, being there, done that, got the T-shirt. But I don't think I, I, I'd have the strength and perseverance to work in a supermarket on the best of days, let alone the worst of days. So now I hope when we talk about, you know, to refer back to, to class and things, social class, I really hope now that certain people in our society will be viewed more equally, you know because of their contributions to, you know, we realise now actually how integral they are to our society, so we can't look down on them. Thank you so much to Laura and Daryl. You can find them on Twitter, at Laura Shoebottom and at The Mean Double D, as well as via their websites, which are linked in the show notes. They've also started producing a weekly comedy web series called Bored, so I really encourage you to check that out as well. Story Etc. was produced and presented by Eleanor Rushton. 
The supervising editor was Pato Rushton Morales at Black Horse Studios, and the music was composed by Odin Ornhill Marson. My guests were Laura Shoebottom and Daryl Draper. Story Etc. is an audio scribble production. Thanks for listening.